1: How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Shirk, and this is our first episode launch on a Wednesday. Uh, Mr. Bossman Dan Johnson told me that we were making the switch from launching on Fridays to launching on Wednesdays. A little changes in the network going on, and uh, he said it was to my benefit, so that gives you guys an extra day. Uh, Extra two weekdays for you to download my episodes and listen to them that week. So uh, we'll go with that, but all good. So we're making that transition, but in the heart of summer, I tell you what, it doesn't take me long to get my mind off of turkeys and back onto deer. So just this past week in my travels for work, uh, you know, again, I'm an agronomist. I've said this a million times. I'm an agronomist, and this time of year... I cover a lot of farms, a lot of ground, and a lot of time I'm on four wheelers, just going up farm lanes, uh, farm lanes, zipping through fields to check crops. You know, bounce from one field to the next, hop over a tree line, go to the next farm. And in uh, the, the, the past week, I've bumped two really good bucks. Two, and I've actually seen a lot of deer, but two of them that were substantial like you know they they ran out with another buck that was smaller than them and you could tell the difference that you know the the smaller of the of the two deer was probably your standard two and a half year old deer you know just my my estimation but the the larger of the two had significantly longer body it was taller it had more defined hams more defined chest and rack was quite impressive out to its ears and uh, it like I said didn't take me long at all to be off the turkey kick and back onto the deer kick you know this has been uh, a year like no other with this drought it's made uh, the the time I spend in the field and the uh, demand by by clients a little bit higher than normal and that's fine it's just it's a new challenge but with that challenge on top of you know that the household stuff we got going on i'm in the middle of a bunch of projects i've i've done absolutely zero hunting prep so far almost zero hunting prep you know normally i helped Uh, this time by now normally I help with food plots I've done some some chainsaw work uh, trail cutting tree stand cleanup stuff like that I'm usually helping especially at the main place that I hunt and here it is it's June and I've done none of that and it's actually it's 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 quite frustrating it's it's depressing a little bit if I start to think about it too much but uh, you know it's I, it's one of those things I gotta accept it, and I have to accept the fact that I might reap what I sow this year. And I've I made the decision too, just for my own personal self, that if I can't, if I, if I don't get some of these house projects wrapped up in the summertime, and uh, get, can get some, some time to devote to the main place that I've hunted most of my life. If I can't get some off season time, then, then I'm probably not going to spend very much time hunting there just because it, it just does not feel right for me to, to, to go and, and hunt, take time off of, of work and, and force time in the fall to hunt when I haven't done any prep work on a property. That's, that's very good And, uh, I I don't want to take anymore. I mean, I'll be the first to admit that, you know, in in my life, I've been so fortunate and so many blessings with family and friends and loved ones and and hunting opportunities. And I've done a really, really good job of taking a lot. And, uh, you know, if, if anybody can relate to me, uh, you you can, uh, you can kind of understand my mentality. So I would, I really want to hunt there. It's my favorite place in the world to hunt. But uh, if I can't uh, devote some time to uh, off-season stuff, probably won't spend as much in-season time there, and that's okay. Uh, seasons come and seasons go. And uh, one season that's uh, kind of resurfaced for me, or I guess came to uh, came to came to heads with here, is the fact that. You know I'm young. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm still. I'm 29 years old next year. I'll I'll break 30, but I'm young. I feel good. But I definitely noticed in my later 20s that I was just getting lazy. I was getting into a groove, uh, or a, not even a groove, a routine of just day to day work, and you know now father, you know husband, household, all those things that just consume your time and. Really wasn't taking good care of myself, and I would say it was wasn't uh, last season, but the season before, twenty twenty one, was probably my roughest season for a couple reasons. Um, struggled to connect, struggled with my shooting in season, but <clears throat> I uh, I also noticed for the first time like a significant lag physically in uh, in in the mountains like i would get out of breath quicker i had more cramps after i was done hunting in my legs from walking i was it was taking me longer to go places and uh i i, I got to the heaviest weight that i'd ever been in my life and it just wasn't a really good place and you know last year i said you know i, I can't take this anymore and i i did a, a kind of a program i did lose a bunch of weight and it helped but what i did was not very sustainable and uh, I, I'm just, I'm coming at this because I want to be able to enjoy the thing I love the most, especially now that I have a little less time than I used to devote to it. So the time that I get, I want to maximize it and I want to enjoy it. And I want to, I want to be the person that, you know, I have it in my mind that I am going where I have to go for game, and I'm not going to complain, whine, or, or gripe, or be held up by my own physical shortcomings to go to that location. I want to enjoy my hunt where I've got to go to go game and explore. I love to explore, and I don't want to d- deter that. And the other motivation I have too is you know, I've got two boys, a three year old and a one year old, and it occurred to me at one point that there is a very good chance that these two are going to be knuckleheads like their dad is, or once was, or is, or whatever you want to say. But uh, when they, uh, you know, if, if, if my oldest, Lucas, if he's three, so in another 15 years when he's 18 years old coming out of high school, that's about the time you think you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. I still want to make sure that he knows that, he's not going to be able to kick his dad's rear end. And I want to make sure that my boys uh, can't, uh, can't whoop up on their old man, uh, that they know who the boss is. So those are my two motivations. So um, with that, uh, here recently I made a connection with somebody, and he, he's our guest of our show this week. His name is Chris Heskett. Uh, Chris is you know, a Pennsylvania guy, uh, hunter, father, husband, and uh, he's a he's a nutritionist and also a, a health coach, and uh, I'm actually at the moment he's he's doing a 21 day challenge, peak weight peak fat loss challenge. Uh, kind of like a jump start of his program kind of get you used to some of the things he does but it's a it's a challenge it's an opportunity to learn stuff and I decided I was gonna do it I mean I I had him on the show and we started talking about it. I was like you know what that sounds like a great thing for me to just kind of change my groove up a little bit and do something that's healthy and good for me and maybe learn some good habits along the way. But uh, the the sole motivation for me is I've been following Chris on Instagram, seeing the things he's been putting out for not just hunters, but for people in general that just want to live healthier lifestyles. And I think it's one thing that we don't talk about enough. And I could tell you right now for the majority of my life, I've neglected greatly because I didn't value it that much. But um, as time goes on, I'm starting to see that when i have physical health maximized everything else my 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 social health um, my mental health all of that just falls into place so much night, nice. it's so much better and I, and i i enjoy my day-to-day life better and that turns into hunting like i said everything i do at the end of the day i'm thinking about how does this make me a, a better hunter and everything else even though there's a lot bigger better more important things than that but that's always been my mentality so that was the motivation and we talk about um, just kind of getting out of the funk the day-to-day stuff that you might have and what we can do right now in the offseason to prepare if if we're if you're experiencing any of the things that I experienced in the past two years so uh, we, we talk about you know Changing day-to-day lifestyles. What are some things that we can do to build muscle groups or endurance to hike mountains, to climb trees, to set tree stands, uh, to, to be more agile, uh, things like that. And it's it's all revolving around that. We talk a little bit about food and wild game and and utilizing it in you know through the lens of how how Chris does with his lifestyle and the, what he enjoys out of that. And you know we all know that uh, wild game is you know high quality for uh, for as far as nutrition goes. So this is a great episode for just trying to get us mentally motivated to be. Um, on the on top of things physically and keeping up with our physical health so real quick we're going to get a word from our partners here and we're going to first give a shout out to radix hunting guys if you are ready for off-season prep work you need to check radix hunting out guys they're gen 600 uh standard cameras fantastic image quality excellent trigger speed response um, really, really handy use camera. They also have their M-Core cell cameras, which, in my opinion, it's hard to beat. Um, M-Core. There's a lot of comparable cameras out there, but as far as price and what you get, it's a hard camera to beat. It's a, it's again high quality, great image quality, uh, great trigger response, great coverage between AT&T, Verizon and uh it, it's uh it's a it's a tool that is well used i'm looking forward to running mine on a couple of my places i hunt farther away and uh, th- it's a company that i would invest in they have a lot of trail camera accessories to check out check out their stick and pick stuff from trail cameras mounts and adapters and stuff like that uh, radix hunting and <clears throat> also i want to give uh give our mention to huntworth guys if you were in if you're looking to upgrade your clothing if you want something that's more comfortable, if you want something that keeps you warm, keeps you dry, keeps you from the wind, uh, all the, the, the Elkins uh, line that I ran this year in turkey season did that and more. I was truly, truly um, just blown away. Uh First of all, the, the, the price was not gonna break the bank. It's got versatility throughout a long duration of the season, but it did. It kept me so warm, and it was comfortable. Like I, I've been somebody that I never realized how important comfortable clothing was to me when I hunted. I always had cheap stuff. I always, uh, you know, mix and match the wrong size things like that. You know, belt pants were a little bit big. Cinch my belt down a little bit tighter and just live with it. I felt so I felt like an athlete when I was walking in the woods. It felt it just felt good and uh, to me now I don't want to go in the woods without feeling like that without feeling my mobility, having quiet clothing uh, and having a great camo pattern like I do with, uh, <clears throat> with the disruption pattern. So guys check out Huntworth. I think it's a company that if you're looking to uh, you know swap stuff out and uh, get that upgrade, check out Huntworth. And with that, let's get to this episode. So, hey, joining me tonight, I have got another podcast host, a little bit different type of podcast, but we got some similar interests. Um, I have Chris Heskett on the line with us this evening. Chris, thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Mitchell, for uh, inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. So I have been on a constant battle for the past lifetime of trying to make sure that I'm in physical, mental preparation for everything that I do. Um, I, I was going through this, this weird bout for a long time. And I think it was just, uh, you know, the phases of life, you know, I went through school and sports and I was, I was really in the best shape of my life and then I went into careers and getting married and just learning how to maneuver my life with the, the the changes in pace and then having kids and it just it just got so chaotic and I never ever would have thought those life changes would have such an impact to my hunting and they have and you know making those right changes good so uh, I know that you are are you know, a, a fitness nutrition coach, and you also love hunting. So, Chris, mm-hmm. uh, again, thank you for coming on, and I, I'd love you to introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about what you do.
0: Yeah, so I am a online fitness and nutrition coach. I was an in person personal trainer for about nine years um, before. Eventually, uh, my wife and I had our first daughter. Uh, she's about to turn two in September. So at, after that. Uh, Being a personal trainer and having kids does not go hand in hand with the schedule. So, uh, I transitioned to online coaching. Um, but the big focus has been for like my clients. Like I like working with people who enjoy the outdoors. Um, and part of that is hunting. So I've kind of included my, um, hobby of hunting into coaching. And you'll see that in a lot of my content, especially as we get closer the hunting season here when we're recording this like you'll start to see more archery content and stuff as i start to ramp up um but i didn't actually like start out hunting so a lot of guys grow up hunting that was not me i grew up around hunters in gettysburg um but did not hunt my dad didn't hunt nobody hunted um my wife's family huge hunters um her granddad actually had the state black bear record for a while wow um the thing is they didn't have, um, back then when he got it, I forget the date, but they didn't have, um, like a stand big enough for it. So they, it's actually smaller, but it's, uh, yeah, right. in my, um, uncle in laws. Well, as soon as you open up his room, it's there, just like right over you. It's massive. I'm like that thing is smaller than it's supposed to be. Holy crap. <laughs> um, but so I didn't get into it until, uh, so my wife, uh, she battles anemia and like low B12. Um, so that's not a problem if you can eat red meat. But a couple of years ago, she developed an allergy to beef, and so you need iron and B12. Beef is a great source. She also has uh, GI issues, so she had an eating disorder when she, uh, before we met, and uh, that messed up her digestive system, so she couldn't take iron supplements. So we tried out venison, and she loves it. Awesome. So that's kind of how I got into hunting. I guess about four years ago was okay. Well, we can't afford to buy bison every single week. We need red meat for my wife to be healthy, so I guess I'm going to go out and start hunting and provide for my wife. So that's uh literally, like, that was, I was like, I'm only going to do deer hunting. That's all I'm going to do. And, like, gotta go the first year. Like, last day of rifle season in the last hour. Like, the entire season nothing. And, like, last chance, finally had an opportunity. I, immediately, I'm like, yep, I'm addicted
1: to this. This is my new personality now. So I have to say, Chris, that is the absolute coolest way i've ever heard somebody getting into hunting because i've done this you know show i'm um, i'm closing in on 100 episodes this year so i've had a bunch of interviews and you know before that and all the people i meet and and stuff with hunting you know it's always about you know your intro of somehow you were introduced to it by a family member or a friend or something like that and it was the thrill of that and (laughs) that wasn't even in the first part of it you learned what why we love it so much i mean like that that almost addiction or that that connection you have as a hunter uh you learn that after the fact and that's so cool
0: thank you yeah it's uh you know i still have that like newbie so i know like as we go through things it's me with fitness like generally like you're like um i'm blanking on the word but like you're not as like fired up about it like after like a decade or two decades. Like I have that now. So it's like guys like my age who've been hunting for like two decades now, like I'm 33. They're like, Oh yeah, I like hunting, but it's for a lot of them, it's starting to die down where I'm like, no, well, like I am like all in on this thing. Like it come like, you no know, August. It's all I'm thinking. It's like hunting. When can I get outside? What, how am I going to be? When can I get like the last couple things in with my bow? When do I dial in my rifle? Like it is, its full on just like you know for a lot of guys back when they were in their teens
1: well well, this this conversation is going to start to take a turn I didn't expect so I have to ask (laughs) this next question so if your wife really enjoys venison and it's an important part of her diet tell me a little bit about the husband-wife relationship as you've become more in depth with your interest in hunting and the time spent away especially now as a dad too um
0: well so we'll tag team for hunting. So she's gotten into hunting. She's uh awesome. with me. Um, so she's a year or so behind, but she hasn't done as much just because she was finishing up nursing school, then she got pregnant, and she's currently pregnant with number two, so it's like we've gone through like a couple seasons. She's so she's only gotten out a couple times. Um, but we basically after that first year, like the second season, I harvested four deer. And that was like our red meat for the year. So that's kind of like we view it not like it, as like oh I'm going off on like a guy's weekend more like this is how we're going to eat so either I have to go and get the red meat or we are not going to have red meat and my wife absolutely loves it and now with my daughter we just had our last roast she destroyed it mm-hmm. like my daughter absolutely annihilates venison she'll eat almost as much as I do like how is this kid still hungry but so it's just one of those things like we need to have it so it's more like grocery shopping almost i hate to put it that way but it's essential for us so we view it that way like this needs to happen these are the days i'm going to go hunt um for the best chance so we just talk about that way rather than like up oh, going off a guy's weekend or going off on girls weekend it's an essential component in the fall that we need to do for our family
1: and that is just so pure because to be honest with you and i'm guilty of this as, as much as anybody that's usually not the case in most cases, and and I've had this conversation on my show with with you know friends and family off the show. You know the the overwhelming guilt or the 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 juggling and struggling that I have as a father, as a husband, as a as a friend, as an employee, all those stuff like it just weighs on you, and and realizing the importance of things in life. But uh, you know, I, I'm typically putting hunting up there. Um, not necessarily as the 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 value in the venison that comes back to my table. While that's greatly appreciated and I utilize as much as possible, um, I'll be I'd be the first to say I'd be lying if I said that was the first of, uh, you know first primary reason that I'm doing it. And I, I think a lot of people would kid themselves to be uh, to to say that's the case. So no, I I really like that and appreciate that. I think it brings into like just the purity of what's important in hunting in the first place, but yeah. now I, I, I kind of want to circle back to, so you're a physical fitness coach, nutritionist. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit about getting into that. Like how, what was that path for you in, in this very interesting field?
0: Um, so I started, let's see, I didn't do any sports really growing up um, until I did cross country when I was 14 freshman in high school. And then back then, all the girls wanted like guys to be jacked. So I was a skinny cross country runner and I figured and super introverted too, like no self confidence, super introverted back then. So I was like, cool. So girls like guys with muscles, build muscle, get girls. Does not work that way, by the (laughs) way, but (laughs) that was my teenage brain thinking, Hey, would you do this? Um, but I just fell in love with the process of training and then i would get other people coming up never girls usually other guys any guy who's been lifting those like it's always like other guys asking like what's your split bro um so i would be helping them with either their diet or building a workout routine so that just became something i liked and i've always been super nerdy into the sciences and stuff um so it's just like hey there's this exercise science degree offered by colleges i'm gonna go and do that I had no idea I was going to get into training. Um, my big thing was I just wanted to stay out of hospitals. I wanted to help people before they got into the hospital. Like, keep people from getting in there. So, as we're going through, I'm like, oh, we can either go strength conditioning, which that was my internship at Bucknell, or we can go, uh, like, personal training. It's like, strength conditioning, you work, like 15, like, 12 to 15 hour days and make 30 grand a year. Or you can go personal training maybe do the same, but potentially make way more money. Okay. We're going to go back. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. I liked it for myself. I liked helping other people. I like the science. And then it just naturally, like that was the best course of action for me.
1: Very cool. So dive a little bit more into like the motivation for it. Like, you know, you're interested in it, but like, is there something about it that motivates you in this? Because I mean, it seems like for the overwhelming majority of Americans that nutrition, physical fitness, um, overall health, like I, I just don't put it as a priority in my life for whatever reason. Um, so tell me a little bit about your mindset and philosophy, um, in regards to that.
0: So when it comes to like being motivated to do something, you have to have like a really good goal i know it kind of sounds woo-woo, but it needs to be super clear cut and it needs to be something beyond like i just want to get in shape like what does in shape mm-hmm. mean i just want to lose a little bit of weight like that motivates nobody for more than six weeks so what's like the driving factor for you like why do you want to lose that weight why do you want to get in shape what's the thing that's driving you to do those things is it hey i'm going back country elk hunting And I live in Pennsylvania and I'm going to be in Colorado at, you know, 10,000 plus feet of elevation. I need to be in shape for that. I have a, I had a client who does just that. So it's like, yeah, that's going to be a motivate motivator because that can be the deciding factor of whether you harvest an elk or not for, for that archery hunt. Um, or it might be like, Hey, like I realize my health is declining and I want to be there to see like, my grandkids graduate college Like, unless I start putting in the work now I'm never going to see that um so it, it can be a multitude of factors I always for a lot of my clients it's coming back to family and like hey like I started working out and now I can do all these things with my kids I can get down on the floor I can play with them I can go out in the backyard and do things and I'm not tired anymore. so that's a, a big thing that a lot of clients get after they've Start by losing weight. Start by working out the basic stuff. But then they realize, oh, this is why we do this thing.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. You know, I uh, again coming out of uh, you know a new phase of life. You know, a couple, uh, probably two, three seasons ago. um, You know, I was kind of just living life. You know fly by the seat of my pants, and uh, it was, like I said, two or three seasons ago, I really noticed that, you know, my, my, my fall hunting trips that I would take typically was upstate Pennsylvania going to deer camp, bear camp, running around mountains for a few days. It was the first time that I ever noticed, like, I am not able to have the stamina of, of and go the places I want to go as quick as I want to go like I did a few years ago. And it really bugged me. It really got to a point where I was like – the thing I love and enjoy the most is getting harder to do, and I don't want that to happen. And and another motivating thing I have, too, so I have a, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, uh, both boys, you know, happy father. And uh, it occurred to me not that long ago that, you know, I've got two boys. Lord knows they're probably going to be headstrong like their dad and think they're real big, tough stuff. And in 18 years, they're probably thinking they're going to be able to kick dad's rear end. And I want to make sure that they know that that's not possible while they're living under my roof. So you know, a couple of motivating factors and stuff. But, you know, really the thing that I want to do is, you know, I've, I've hun- hunted with... So many people over the years, where you, you start, uh, you know, maybe you you drive in the top of a ridge on, on a big track of public land, right? And uh, you look down this drainage across a hollow and say, "Hey, we want to we want to climb down here, we want to get into this bottom, and we're gonna we're gonna make a, a push across this side hill uh, for bear and and such." And I I'd be with guys that go, "You're gonna go all the way down there for that? Like why? Why? Like I." I don't want to shoot something down there. Then I got to get it out. And like, that is something that never crosses my mind because that's where I want to be. That's where I enjoy it. Um, I just want it to be something that I'm sustainable to do and it's easier to do. And I think there's a lot of hunters out there that uh, are probably in that mindset. Um, The butt part of that is life gets in the way and life can get really, really hard to be make the time valuable. So uh, I'm sure you can relate to that. I mean, mm-hmm. when the, when you get clients that w- might have something similar of that nature, you know, maybe they're somewhere in that demographic of 25 to 45, have an interest in in hunting or some kind of personal um, hobby of such, but uh, you got, you know, the busyness of work and family and things like that that really make it up. How um, how do you see like time management as I, I guess so to speak how do you how do you work with clients in a sense of time management and prioritizing what really needs to be done in order to achieve those goals
0: um so a couple routes we can go here so first of all um most people think we have like to be in shape we have to be a Cameron Haynes and run like a mile mm-hmm. like a marathon every single day plus workout so the the minimum we need to do is two days a week of some sort of exercise so if you can do two days a week for 30 minutes, that's one hour out of your week that you just have to find um to start seeing fitness goals. Obviously, it's not going to give you're not going to become like a fitness model. You're not going to be in amazing shape to where you can run like 10K's effortlessly. That's not gonna happen. But you're going to um build muscle, maintain your strength, maintain a good level of fitness with just two times a week, 30 minutes. That's it. So it's setting an expectation of hey, we don't have to do that much where can we find this time or maybe it's like three times a week like we have a few clients three times a week 15 minutes we have clients who um so i have a lot of clients who are in uh pharmaceuticals right now um so corporate world they're traveling for business it's like 15 minute workouts that's all we're gonna do um for hunters one of the best workouts you can do is rocking so if you're not familiar with that term, it's just weighted walking like that's what the military does. So you just throw like a weight vest on or you can throw like books or weights into a backpack. Just make sure the backpack can handle it. Um, but you can do that. Like if you walk a dog every single day, just throw the weight vest on when you go walk the dog. So if you're walking a your dog two miles a day, cool. Now you just create a two mile workout for yourself while you just walk your dog. Um, so you can work it in. Different ways like that, where maybe it's not the traditional, like go to gym, work out for one hour, come home. That's been an hour and a half out of your day because gym and stuff, but you can still get in shape that way. Uh, the other thing we do is let's look at how much time you're actually wasting. Like pull up your phone, there's a setting in there that shows you, like, what your screen time is. How much screen time are you spending on social media? How much screen time are you spending on video games? How much. TV, are you watching? Are those things actually helping you towards your goal? And with a lot of those things, um, you can watch Netflix and be on the treadmill and watch on that. You can do both. Uh, you can, you know, walk at an incline with a weight vest on, get a good workout in that way. So it, it's first, let's take a look at your schedule, see where it fits in, and then set a realistic expectation for how many days a week you can get to it. So. Um, The way I phrase it to my clients when they come on, like how many days, like think of your craziest week. How many days can you commit to working out on those weeks? And they will be like two or three generally. Cool. That's the expectation. Anything above that, that's like extra credit. So I know you want to work out five days a week. You did like you get a check that you did a good week if you get two or three days in. And then it's just extra if you can do more. And the next week, if you can't get all five days in, cool. You got your two in. Amazing. And then you just see that progress over time. And then seasons of your life where time kind of opens up, you can go all in and seasons of your life where things get crazy. You just cut back to like those two times a week and you just kind of play like that. Like during hunting season, I do not work out nearly as much. I'm running a business. I have my kids. Um, I have. Uh, actual hunting season. So my workouts generally cut back to like three days a week when normally I like to work out five to six times per week. Right now I'm working out five or six days per week. So it just depends. Um Again, holidays too around the, uh, the hunting season as well. So you have all these things playing a role. You can just cut back then. But if you build this habit, then it's going to be something you're just going to try to work in. Because that's the other thing a lot of people view themselves as. It's you have to have an identity shift. Like if you identify yourself as I'm lazy, I'm fat, I'm not fit. Like those are other people, but that's not me. You're always going to be telling yourself that. And even if you start working out, your brain's going to fight your identity because it's going to be, um, well, we're a fat, lazy person. We don't do that. So your brain starts to fight you with that subconsciously. And we have to have the shift to identity. So with my clients, I can say this is your U 2.0. Uh, visualize that person you want to be that in-shape dad who can go and do a colorado elk hunt at the drop of a die. that's your goal the the in-shape mom the setting a great example for their, her kids if that's you you have to visualize that person and then start visualizing what does that version of you do on a day day-to-day basis it's probably not cutting out all carbs probably not working out six days per week it's probably just trying to do what you can while still spending time with your kids and your family and, uh, um, doing your
1: hobbies as well. So that's, it's a visualization exercise. If you're looking to simplify your food plot system while enhancing the quality of your soil, you need to check out Vitalize seed company. Vitalize provides top quality seed blends designed to fit into their one, two planting system. The system has been designed to allow highly diverse plant species to grow synergistically, optimizing nutrient uptake and cycling the way God intended. Reduce your inputs, build your soil, and maximize the quality tonnage for the wildlife in your area. Find out more about this system and get your seed at VitalizeSeed.com and be sure to check them out on Instagram and Facebook. You brought up a good point earlier in this conversation, so you brought up, you know, the ideology of seeing somebody on social media who is just an absolute beast, and you brought up Cameron Haynes, which I think yeah. everybody in the hunting world goes to Cameron Haynes, because he is one of the most determined, like, motivational individuals in the hunting space that there is, um, and hats off to him, but he's, hes uh, I don't want to call him an extremist, but man, he's, he's close, I mean, he's close if he's not an extremist, right? And, uh, you know, that's motivating. But then you, you put yourself in the shoes of the average bow hunter, the average just general outdoorsman. And, uh, of course, you, you might get, like, a dopamine hit watching something like that and getting inspired to do that. And uh, Staging things out, though, that are realistic and, and measurable to, like, achieve goals, like, uh, that's got to be really tough. So tell me a little bit about, like, how you break things down with clients when when you get into a situation like like let's just say for for example, man, I, I wanted to just take my, my bow hunting this year in Pennsylvania to the extreme. I was gonna be running mountains like crazy and I just got this outside of my mind Idea of what I'm going to be achieving. Um, you know, first of all, it's got to be hard on you to really understand, you know, what this person's capable of in the beginning. But, you know, setting realistic goals and then uh, monitoring how you achieve those goals or, or like the, the step process. Because it's so hard to see results sometimes or people don't know how. Dive into that. I'm rambling at this point.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Cameron Hannings is an outlier. I would never put someone on that kind of program. Also, <laughs> Most people don't want to live the life he lives, where he wakes up at like 3.30 a.m. and then like to get his runs in. But so uh, back to your point with the goals, you we need to set a SMART goal. So that's an acronym. It needs to be specific, measurable, attainable, um, relevant, and then time-based. So when we're saying goals, so let's say right now we're trying to get ready for September or October uh for uh, archery hunt and you're going to be running all over mountains so more like probably like if we're talking white tail we're talking october okay cool so we have what we're almost in june now so you have about 4ish months to get ready so we have a time base we have the T we have 4 months to get ready then we have to set a smart goal like what can actually be achieved in the next 4 months if you're starting from ground zero where I can tell you right now, if you go all in, like, I'm going to run every day, I'm going to lift every day, you're going to get hurt, you're going to get burnt out, and probably you're going to destroy your immune system, you're going to be sick half the time. So, when we start out lifting, or or with any exercise, we need to make sure we can recover from that. So, if you're super sore, probably doing a little too much, or it's just something new. So, probably three days a week at most, maybe four days a week. Um, measurable what does running all over the mountains look like i have like i have in my mind what that looks like that's probably going to be eight to ten miles a day but for someone else that might just be three miles for someone it might be like i need to do this i'm going to you know i listen to way too much joe rogan and i'm pulling a 90 pound bow and this other person pulling a 50 pound bow. so it's having like a measurable goal of these are the things i need to be able to do come october for the i um, running all over the mountains for my archery hunt. How do I get from here to there? Um, that was SMA is attainable. So again, just saying a realistic expectation that in four months, you're probably not going to become a marathon runner, but you can make drastic improvements. And then it might not be this year, but the following year, the following season, you might be in the actual prime shape you want to be. It might not be this year if you're starting right now. And then relevant means it's actually relevant to like whatever goal you're setting. Like I'm going to start, I'm going to cut, do keto and I'm going to do like lift every day and I'm going to do all these other things. But is that relevant to your life? Like if you do keto, you're never going out to dinner with your family. You're never going to be celebrating holidays from now until then with, with your family. Like you can't eat that food. Um, if you're lifting every single day. But some days that means you're not going to be able to sit down with your family. And that's important. Is that actually relevant to your goal? Or is that taking away from this, you know, that you 2 version of yourself? Like, hey, I'm an amazing dad who I hunt. I set a great example. Uh, if you're skip, skipping dinner to go work out, is that really setting that as example for your kids? You can answer. Like, I can't tell you whether that's a yes or no answer. Uh, you have to decide that for yourself. For me, that's a hard no. No, I, we sit down every night and have dinner as a family. Um, So that's, that's how you kind of set that goal is you figure out what you need to do. We have that time and then figure out how we're going to get there. And then that's the big goal. And then we break it down to smaller goals. Like every like four to six weeks, you're going to set like little mini goals. So that would be like first like four weeks, we're going to work out two times per week. And then we're going to bump it to three times per week and then four times per week. And then... Then it's like, okay, cool. I just made amazing improvements all along the way. Instead, like the big, hairy, scary goal. Of,
1: like, great, I set this goal. Where do I start? Where do you think a lot of people uh, fall off the boat, so to speak, when you're going through stuff? Is it a lot of the time because they don't set um, they don't they don't set a timeline or a process that is achievable, like you said? Or, or is it a lot of times, sometimes it's just mental blockades. Like, where do you see that lag for so many people when they're they're trying to achieve a goal? You know, let's just say um, it's it's revolved around being in better shape to be a better hunter, or whatever that case might be.
0: Um, unrealistic expectations. Everyone overestimates what they can do in thirty days and underestimates what they can do in the next year. So everyone's chasing like. I want to transform my life in the next 30 to 90 days. It's always like 30 to 90 days. I want to completely revamp everything. But if you actually expanded the time horizon, so like with my clients, minimum commitment to work with me is six months because for one habit, we're talking just like one habit, it takes three weeks to actually have that set in. And usually we're talking multiple habits. We have to break some bad habits we have, like maybe it's emotional eating, Maybe it's running to alcohol as a stress coping mechanism, um, poor sleep habits. We're already battling, say, lack of exercise. So just one habit takes three weeks. So if you're trying to, like, overhaul your life in 90 days, you're going to be trying to break all these habits and start all these new ones. And that can be very overwhelming. Mm. So I always try to, like, do, like, one or two things at a time with clients. Like, these are your main focuses right now. Like, these, like, two things. It might be, like, get eight hours sleep per night and get 10,000 steps per day maybe it's eat protein at every single meal um or hit, eat a veggie at every single meal like it's just like those things for the next three weeks that's your focus and if you do that over a year in a year from now you're gonna be like a totally different person like you will be that person you're you're trying to do in like 90 days it's just gonna take longer um so that's where people get um like they lose sight and also like in like the middle, usually about week six to eight, people tend to fall off because motivation, it's super fickle. Like it's here one day, it's gone the next. It's going to burn out in about four weeks. Like if you're just like motivated to make a change right now and you don't have like a goal and you don't have some some way to keep you accountable, you're going to fall off in about six to eight weeks because that motivation is going to just go out. And if you think back of how many diets and workout programs you try and pass probably been about that long and all of a sudden it's like something pops up in that six to eight time frame and then you like okay well when I get back from this work trip I'm going to get back on track or like I'm done I'm going to take a week break and then you never that week break turns into six months so um, you need some accountability partner this might be your partner personally I think it's a terrible idea my wife and I I'm a coach and I refuse to coach my wife um, <laughs> not not <laughs> smart my wife does uh, works with my assistant coach. She does not work with me. Um Partners tend to be really bad uh, accountability partners. And so the reason for that is generally as a partner, your wife, even if like you're the head of the household, like it's kind of a 50, 50 relationship when you're in like a coach client relationship, the coach is ahead. Yeah. Like up here, the the clients down here a little bit. Cause they're like a student. It's like teacher student relationship. When you do that with your uh, spouse. You, um, well, hope you don't want to have sex for the next like 90 days <laughs> <laughs> to say like you're going to butt heads and you're going to hurt feelings. So it's better just to, like give someone else that. And they're like, Oh my God, honey, they told me to do this, this, and this. And you're like, I've been saying that for the past. Few months. Right. Right. <laughs> but it's a different kind of relationship. So this is where like a coworker or a friend can be a really good accountability partner. I'll stay on my coach. Coaches are accountability, uh, source of accountability, but you can also find some coworker or friend to do it where you have uh, a good relationship. But I'd never recommend that friend who they want to go out to um, happy hour every single week. Like, don't get that friend as your accountability buddy. Get the one who, like, they want to make a change and you'll be like, hey, why the hell did you go out and on happy hour? Oh man, I screwed up. Mm-hmm. Cool. Why don't you not do that this upcoming week? And they'll do the same for you. Hey, I
1: saw your Instagram post. Why were you there? Oh, crappy me. <laughs> I like that too. Um, and I think what we're, we're kind of bouncing around a little bit too is the mental side of things, the mental toughness. Yeah. And mental toughness is not something that is easily taught. I don't even know if it is taught, but I mean, mental toughness is a big part of this. Uh, I mean, what thoughts do you have on the on the mental strength conditioning when it comes to making changes for the betterment of your physical life?
0: So, it's worded mental toughness. Uh, you're about to, if you're actually chasing that, you're about to do a whole bunch of woo-woo stuff that's not going to seem very mentally tough. So, I'm super, like, analytical, science Welcome to, like, the yoga, like, let's break out our crystals and, like, light up the sage and stuff that kind of stuff is what you're going to have to do a little bit not too much but you have to figure out what is the barrier holding you back from your goal like this can be journaling where um so a lot of guys especially myself included like oh i'm gonna like write a diary like screw that i'm not doing that it's if you view more like a brain dump like take all the information in your brain and dump it on paper so a great exercise is like set a time for 20 minutes don't let the pen stop writing and whatever comes to your mind, it's going to come out on that paper. And that can give you insight of like come kind of the deeper stuff that's going on with self sabotage. Um, and you might also get like some other great ideas like, wait, this solved my food plot problem for this year. I don't know why I never thought of that till now. Um, so it's also a great, good exercise for a lot of things, but brain dump can be really good. Meditation can be really good. Um, there, there's, you, kind of have to figure out that self-sabotage. So generally, those are the two things I like people to do. And I'll get, like, I'll fight with someone for a while, and finally they'll do it, and I get screenshots It's like, eight pages long of stuff they did with, like, their brain dump. They're like, I figured it out. Like, cool. And one day, you did. You just had to sit down for 20 minutes in a quiet spot, set a timer, and just start writing. Um, and a lot of businesses do this. Like, a lot of, like, successful CEOs, they will do this stuff. So it's not like, oh, this is what hippie people do. This is but like a lot of people do it um, who are very, very successful. Um, I do it. Um, I also do like power listing where like we're listing out the things that have to get done each day. Um, and then it's developed over time. Like it's not a light switch. Like you're not going to magically turn on and be like, I'm mentally tough one day, or I'm like, I have tons of resilience. It's developed over time. Um, and one big way to do that is through exercise. We have, data to show that as you exercise you do hard thing Ex- like exercise is hard like well, I'm not gonna like sugarcoat that and be like hey well, we're gonna go and do bicep curls and it's super fun like, no it's still hard you might enjoy it you might not but it's hard and when we do hard things we build up resilience we go and do something we don't like but we get rewarded for it later that builds up that resist resilience over time and so slowly you develop it it's not gonna be a month it's gonna be six months. It's going to be a year but if you can start now and start doing that you're going to um slowly build up that mental toughness to where then you can take on more and more difficult things hopefully that answered your question
1: no one absolutely did and i, I think again it comes back to baby steps and, and things that are achievable so no i like that we, we've been talking a lot about like being in a situation where maybe you're just in a funk or in a tough spot in life and you need to make some changes that are tough if you want to um, not go down a certain road. But let's take a different avenue to this, Chris. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, hunting in a lot of cases can be a very physical and mental, mental game. And, you know, if you want to oh, better yeah. yourself and you want to uh, put miles on, hunt in tough locations, tough situations, or, um, you know, maybe it's just a, a stamina thing in order to connect on a maybe a very, very high-end goal. So, uh, you know, from, from your hunting experience alone, um, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you have found that really take your hunting uh, – stamina, shooting capabilities, whatever to a next level in, in your hunt, like things that you wouldn't have thought of before, but now that you're, you're working on this and using this in your daily routine, Hey, this helps me be a better bow hunter or be a better, whatever hunter.
0: Um, So I've added more cardio to my routine um, for like, if I do go black bear hunting or if, you know, I do have to drag, deer out from a place like you can't get anything in um so cardio definitely helps but also doing like once or twice a week that high intensity interval training um that's going to help train your nervous system for when you get the buck fever which we all know um the heart rate the adrenaline spike your heart rate through the roof you get that tunnel vision and that's where a lot of people mess up um so there's no perfect way to train that However, when we do interval training, um, so getting that heart rate up high for a short amount of time and then fully recovering, not the stuff that Orange Theory does. That's not true interval training. We're talking like we're going to go 30 seconds on, like 60 seconds off of say, like some, like a sprint or kettlebell swings or just some sort of exercise like that. You do that. That's going to, every time you do that, your adrenaline spikes, your heart rate goes way up. And then you, like, come down. And I know a couple guys will do that, and then they'll go and take, like, one shot with their bow. So don't start with that. You will miss, and it will cost you some errors. Um, but once you get a couple weeks under your belt, you can go, if you can, um, obviously everyone's situation is different, you can go and do just that. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to do 30 seconds of a super intense exercise. I'm going to take one shot at 20 yards, and then rest, and then do the same thing and same thing and then you're going to build up to a little bit of fatigue and then also um just training your body to better handle that adrenaline dump when you get it
1: mm. yeah that's a big one because i'm sure you were probably caught off guard the first time <laughs> you experienced it and you experienced that adrenaline dump and that's one of those things you know i've hunted my entire life and i just listened to um just listen to a Joe Rogan podcast. I don't listen to a lot of those, but I was really interested in the guest. He had Joel Turner on. Joel Turner, you know, yes. Shot IQ. Um, really fascinating guy. Really fascinating I episode. I, I listened to it twice. And, uh, you know, talking about the, the, the mental side of things and dealing with that adrenaline dump and how to execute that. So there's, uh, you know, he was talking a lot about the mental side of things, but there's definitely a physical attribute and being in – of physical st- state that's better than, uh, you know, at your at your peak performance, I guess, so to speak, is going to be able to execute something like that better if you're at a moderate level of brain capacity and an adrenaline dump. I guess.
0: Yeah. um So I've seen a lot of guys do different stuff, but yeah, when you get that adrenaline dump, like your brain starts to shut down, that heart rate's spiking up. So if you can. Condition your body to handle that. You're going to be better able to focus and make better decisions under that high stress situation. Cause it's a high stress situation for your body. It caught me really off guard the first time it ever hit me. I'm like, what is this? I've never experienced that ever. Um, so now, now I just know and expect, but even every year, like you kind of forget over the year and then like come like, like I can start hunting in September, September, October, like, Oh, that's what that feeling is again. Oh, oh crap. Um, but I can manage it pretty well. Um, but the other than getting out in the field and experiencing it, which you can't do year round, you can do it through some sort of physical exercise. Uh, the other thing that's really good for hunters, um, especially if you have to carry out anything, um, or just carrying your gear is going to be weighted carries in the gym. Um, so if you've ever watched strongman competitions you see them do like the farmer carries and stuff It's exactly that it's going to be like doing farmer carries suitcase carries goblet carries just like holding weight in different position and just walking with it um, kind of what rucking does but you can go much much heavier and that's going to train your body to better handle like after the hunt happens like how do I drag this deer out um, or pack it out if you're going out Elk hunting, or how do I drag this bear out? Maybe it's like you're it's you and a few guys, and you're like, how we're going to get out of this drainage so we can get it like maybe onto a vehicle or something. Like how how's that going to happen? That's a good way to train the body to move under load. Um, and you can get like got You can do like body weight each hand. Like a good goal is like half your body weight in each hand, but you can keep going up. Um, you know, high levels like for pharmacare, like your body weight in each hand. Uh, But for men, like a good starting goal would be half. Like if you're 200 pounds, 100 pounds per hand and walk like 50 yards with that. So it's like 25 yards down, 25 yards back if you have the room or you can go multiple. Um, But that's an amazing exercise.
1: Mm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Another thing that's gotten extremely popular, and it's it's a very cool thing. You know, we've talked about a bunch is public land hunting, running and gunning. Um, you know, mobile hunting setups. And you know, with mobile hunting setups, uh, you know, a lot of the guys that that do it, you know, have different maybe stick saddle stick tree stand setups. Maybe the guys still running climbers and stuff. But w- when it comes to climbing trees, setting up. Uh, a setup like that you know we've we've talked a bunch about how to do it quietly and stuff like that but there's definitely a stealth stamina side to things that comes into a, into a physical attribute mm-hmm. now it's uh, i've i've been i remember the first couple times i hung tree stands hanging on hang on tree stands in the summertime i couldn't believe the the physical uh toll that it took on me i wasn't yep. used to it now i'm very used to it and i think i do it fairly efficiently but uh you know timeliness and quietness and stealthiness is really important to that so I mean when, when when that comes to your mind you know how do you incorporate that in for somebody like a whitetail hunter as far as uh, off season preparation
0: so that would be lots, lots and lots of rucking mm-hmm. um, that's going to help that's going to help with the endurance of like getting in there because if you're taking say like a climber in uh, that's going to be strapped probably to your back um, actually I'm two years ago when I was at um, up a bear camp there's a guy who he brought a climber and it was like straight up the mountain. He was dying. He made it, but he was dying to get up there. Um, so, it was, you know, that's going to be anywhere between 25 and 50 pounds. Plus, you have your weapon. Plus, you have water, probably food and, you know, whatever other equipment you're taking in. You can kind of weigh that stuff out and figure out, OK, I need to walk around with about this much weight on. I usually don't recommend more than 50 pounds because injury starts to spike at that point. But if you can work up to like moving around with rucking workouts of like 30 to 45 minutes with 40 to 50 pounds on, you're going to be in pretty good shape to get in quick because uh, there's going to be a balance. Uh, anyone who's been out of breath knows this. You can't hunt when you're like you're totally exhausted. Um, so you can't sprint in because if uh, opportunity presents itself, you, you're not going to be able to take a steady shot. Um, so you have to move at like a quick pace that's quiet, but not so fast that you're going to be absolutely exhausted and take like 10 minutes to actually come down, um, in case like an opportunity presents itself. So that's going to be around like your zone, what's called zone two cardio, which is about 65 to 70% of your max heart rate, which is kind of what you're training during those rucking workouts. So it's training your body under load to move with endurance. Um, and it's also, uh, training your heart rate in the zone you want to be in where you can focus. You can still be stealthy. You're not getting fatigued. Um, but you can actually like take that into the field and then translate that to like getting in. And then once you're in having that endurance, like now we actually have to get up the tree. That's half the battle. So having good, um, I haven't yet to use a climber, but it's kind of like a full body exercise. So doing resistance training is going to help there. Any endurance training will help. Um, but doing resistance training is going to help you be able to move quickly and quietly because the more fatigue you get, um, the more your fine motor skills start to go down and that's where you start to get noisy. Mm. Um, so any level of endurance and any level of strength is going to help you with that. And the more strength you have, um, so strength works on like a percent basis. So if you're able to move, say 50 pounds, and it's twenty five pounds, that's fifty percent of your strength. So the lower you can move like whatever that climber is down the strength curve, um, the less toll that's gonna take on your body. So, um not saying you need to like bench press three hundred pounds, but if you can just improve your strength at all, that's gonna be so much easier to do this season. Hopefully that answers that question.
1: No, ab- absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um Again, I keep just going back in my line. I think so many people would say this is like the again back to the time aspect. I mean, if I take off, let's just say I take off a couple days in bear season, couple days the first week of of firearm season, and I'm going to be, you know, I I live in the southern half of the state. I go up north to the big woods, and I'm putting, you know, I I know bear season. It's nothing to put on somewhere in the 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 you know realm of 15 to 20 miles and in, in two days heavy mountains you know thick cover this and that and it's just all day long go go yep. go and this in this, this extreme environment sometimes and uh my mind, and this is just my simple mind the way I go, I just think there's no way to prepare for that that's realistic because it's an all-day extreme event, and I don't have the timeline in my, in my. I can't take one day a week and go do, just devote to that preparation, but a lot of people have told me that's the wrong way. and can, can you elaborate on what your thought is, like, how does... Uh, the, the workouts you're talking about or the, the little things you can do throughout the actually it does build up stamina over long enough time.
0: Yeah. So specifically when I'm talking like the rucking and zone two workouts, one of the adaptations we're creating is um, helping your body utilize oxygen better. Um, so when, you know, how's 45, a uh, 45 minute rucking workout going to help you when you're spending 12 hours hunting from like, you know before sunrise to like basically sunset when you have to pack up and exit the mountain so how's that going to help you well you are training your body to better utilize oxygen the whole time and that's not just like an on off switch during your workout that's going to carry you through the rest of your life including like outside the mountain as well when you're not hunting um but that's going to help you there um any strength you build is going to help you so you're not going to fatigue as fast um so it are you going to be tired Oh, yeah, you're going to be tired. You're going to be beat up. You're going to come back sore. There's absolutely no way unless you are able to hike every single weekend and do eight to ten miles every single weekend. I used to before I had kids. I can no longer do that. Mm-hmm. Um That's a great way to get in shape, guys, if hiking is a good way, but not realistic for everyone. So. Just doing anything is going to help at least a little bit, even if it's like twice a week, 15 minute workouts. If we're um, improving our heart's capacity to pump blood and utilize oxygen and we're increasing strength, then when you go to the mountain, it's not going to be um, as bad as last season. Um, and the other thing to think about is when it comes to physical fitness, there's no like pause button. The pause button is actually like staying active. So every year we're actually like losing muscle mass, we're losing endurance, we're losing strength. So the only way to stop that. So like if last season sucked, well, it's going to be even worse this upcoming year, unless you get active. So if you become active, you start walking more, working out, stuff like that. We can at least press that pause button or start to make improvements. And then you're going to notice that like, Oh, like I last year, I got tired like three miles in. This year was five miles in. There's still 10 miles. Like maybe there's another 10 miles, but you got additional two miles. Well, that that's awesome. Um, maybe you just need more recovery. Um, you also learn the limits of your body as well when you're exercising. Like for a lot of guys, if you're not working out, you have no idea what your limits are until you actually test it. When you're working out, you actually know kind of like, hey, these are my limits. I really start to go downhill at this point. Like it really gets difficult for me at 45 minutes. You kind of know like, hey, I'm going to hike in and we're going to go three miles in, but I know I'm going to need to rest. So we're going to like chill out at this point, scan, say I'm thinking like my black bear hunts. This is kind of how I would do it. I would like sit down like here's the point. I know if I could go any further, I'm going to fatigue. I'm going to chill out. And then if nothing happens, I'm going to move to this point, say an hour later. I give my body an hour's time to recover. I'm going to move over here. Then we're going to spend time over there. And if nothing happens and depending on the wind, we're going to move to over here and you can kind of map that out on, on X. But if you don't know your body's limit, you're, you're kind of like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's five miles. Maybe it's two miles.
1: I don't know. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So, um, wild game being such an awesome, awesome thing. Um, What suggestions do you have for people who are on the go constantly to utilize wild game in a way that is um, not so time consuming, but is just fantastic? I mean, what what uh, what comes to your mind as far as, you know, that utilization? Um, For recipes, my go to thing is either throw in the slow cooker.
0: That's like the go to um, or uh, the other thing you can do is something called sous vide. Not sure if you've ever heard of that, but basically you're not familiar with it. Okay. So super fancy word. Basically, it's put it in the bag. So if you already have it in like the um the the vacuum seal bags, it's already done for you. You put it in the bag and put it in warm water and you just like cooks it to the exact temperature you want. Uh, so that's literally what I did with the Benson tonight. Um and you can throw it in frozen. That's the other thing. Like you can have that stuff ready to go, throw it in frozen. Um you can buy the machine or if you have it, if you have an instant pot, you can use, do it on most instant pots. If you have a custom temp thing, just fill it up with water, set it to whatever temp. Like I like my stuff rare. So it's usually like 125, 130. I cook it to put that in, let it sit in there for a few hours. So you have work, you might put that in frozen in the morning, set the delay and then. When the delay goes off, you can time out with your work. You might be walking into the door with that already done. Cool, you can take that out. Um, so you just you just look online, like the size of the meat and et cetera. And there's also like because the water is the exact temperature you want, you have to leave it in for a while to like overcook it. Um it's also essentially slow cooking. So if you get like a big, tough, ruddy buck, it actually helps break down some of that connective tissue in there. So it's gonna tenderize it as well. So Slow cooker or sous vide. Those are my two things. For you need dinners that you're going to um, you can set in the morning and then come home to, and it's super quick. Uh, When it comes to like lunches, we use a ton of ground. We'll do venison burgers, venison meatballs, and kind of meal prep all that stuff for the week. Um, Taco meat and then uh for snacks you can do jerky. We don't do a ton of jerky. We usually only do jerky for any extra we get, which we didn't get any extra this year. Um but that's one way people use it for snacks. Um you don't do a ton with that. But if you guys are using um venison like ground venison and you're trying to watch your weight, um if you process process it yourself, try to make it lean. Um so I put mine at like a 90 7 when I, I processed it process it myself a lot of butchers are going to put like 80 mm-hmm. which makes an amazing burger don't get me wrong amazing delicious burger but the calories are really high. so if you're like oh Chris said like use my ground meat if it's 80 20 there's going to be a lot of fat you're going to want to cook off most of that fat um, I try to just do mine super super lean not 100% lean but lean enough to where um, I'm not destroying the calories Mm. And if I want like some like gourmet burgers, I might do a separate thing where I'm going to add extra fat to, say, 10 pounds of venison. We're going to do that. That's going to be for like the summer cook-off barbecues and stuff like that. But for our day-to-day stuff, it's going to be weaker Like that. Like that.
1: All right. Here's your opportunity. I kind of want your open-ended um, thought process when it comes to social media. There's a ton of... I shouldn't say a ton, but there's definitely reels, pictures, uh, channels that are devoted to helping people with fitness. And it might be specifically devoted to, uh, to hunters. Uh, but there's also a lot of, uh, infomercial business that comes into that. Right. So I'm kind of curious where, um, you know somebody like me who's clueless to a lot of stuff where uh where do you navigate the fallacy versus the the, the facts and stuff like that and when when, when you mm. go through that i would love for you to dive into you know somebody who's doing the research and you know you know good old apple androids got their algorithms to know you know how what you're looking at and try to put pop-ups there so you know that can bombard people so i, I really want your opinion like how do you uh What do you see out there right now online that's just BS versus uh, uh, good information? You know, good information, obviously, follow Chris Heskett, right? But let's go outside of Chris Heskett, right?
0: Yeah. Um, Okay, so if we're looking at accounts, I know, like, the coaches I'm friends with, the really good coaches, we're not gatekeeping anything. Like, if you ask me, like, hey, what are my macros? Like, how to set my macros, like my protein, carbs, and fat? Um, I'll help you out um i will like give free information out there like if you look at most of my reels it's like free actual information about half of them are like actionable like you could take action today with that information if someone's just posting like they're a fitness coach and they're um we always call it with my like group of friends like the ass and abs picks where it's going to be just chicks it's going to be like okay like they're just showing their butts in every picture or guys are just like shirtless all the time there's a handful in the hunting community might not be the best coach. They might just be in it kind of like to get money. They got a huge following and now they can sell like a crappy like cookie cutter program. Um and you're like log on the other thing is like if it's too good to be true, like I'm gonna do this person's program, it's 19.99 for a custom program. It is absolutely not uh custom. There's no way. Um so that's something to look out for. Um anyone who's just not actually giving information out. Um, again, the, the best coaches right now that I know, they're just giving out good free information. Cause honestly, like you can, anything I talk about, you could Google for free and find good information. If you want to learn like the workout programs I put together for clients, you can learn it all through Google. The nutrition programs I put, you can learn it all through Google. Where I help as a coach is like navigating some of that BS mm-hmm. out there in the industry. I just keep you laser focused and knocking shiny object syndrome. Like, oh, I listened to the Andrew Huberman podcast and I'm going to do ice baths and red light therapy every single day. Like, cool, bro. Um, You're not even eating your vegetables uh, three times a day. You're getting maybe just dinner. Maybe we should focus on just that right now. That stuff's not going to help you. Like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So anyway. Annual- that, that's who to look out for. If they're gatekeeping information, they're just not providing actual values, just like pictures of like, hey, do this, or if they're just trying to sell stuff constantly. That's a red flag. Um, they're usually like massive followings, and they're just like playing the revolving door game. of uh, I'm going to get clients in, I'm going to get clients out, and every month I'm just going to grow my following and try to get new, fresh clients in who buy my stuff, and then they're going to leave, and I don't care because there's so many people coming uh, versus like I want to like make sure everyone comes into my program has a great experience reaches their goal and then graduates from the, the program with the skills they need to like never get back in the situation that they were where they were unhappy or unhealthy in their body
1: mm. yeah it's real important well hey this has been uh, this has been a very different episode for us but I feel <clears throat> it's it's important because there's a lot of us out there you know i, I I've got friends uh family uh, that do a great job keeping after things and keeping after their physical shape. And I hunt with them and go, man, like I, I need to do better with that. And, uh, taking that initiative, uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes the, the all the motivation you need is just to hear somebody like yourself saying, it's not that hard if you take the right steps. So, um, Chris, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge, anything yeah, you want to leave us with and, uh, you, you know, definitely, uh, plug your, your following for people to follow along with what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I'll leave. Uh, so we talked a lot about fitness. I'm going to dive into nutrition to leave. Just I'm going to do two things. One is nutrition, and it's not that difficult. So nutrition is going to be where you get most of your results, especially if you're looking for improving your health and losing weight. Um, so where I start a lot of people is just eat more protein. Which if you're eating wild game, eat more, and then eat veggies. Cut back on the processed stuff. We can dive into keto and carnivore and vegan and all these different things. Hunting podcast, nobody's vegan probably. Um, but there's all these different conflicting things. Most people know what to eat. Just start eating more of that stuff. Don't try to cut that out. Eat more potatoes. Eat more venison. Eat more chicken. Eat more veggies. Don't try to like shrink those down and then snack on more stuff. So that's where I'll leave that out. And then um, for people just starting out, all my clients, we start um, phase one of our programs called Base Camp. I like to t- paint a picture like you're climbing a mountain towards your goal at the top of a mountain. So there's four core habits. We call these the core four. So to get results, you need to do these things. And this is always where we fall back on if like life gets crazy. So it's going to be protein at each meal. It's going to be aiming for seven to nine hours of sleep per night or trying to get a total of 49 hours of sleep in a week. It's going to be drink about half your body weight in ounces of water per day and then it's going to be getting some sort of daily movement in having like a step goal of like seven to 10,000 steps per day trying to get a workout in here or there um, but some sort of movement goal it doesn't need to be resisting, it doesn't need to be work, working out, it can just be like I'm going to walk my dog uh, twice a day
1: now and we're going to go uh, we usually do a mile, we're going to do one and a half miles good deal, like it Hey, for people to follow along there, where can they catch up with you?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to be on Instagram and TikTok at Chris underscore PwC. Um, I have a Facebook community, uh, so that's going to be Peak Weight Loss Secrets. You can join that. That's a free community. And then my podcast is called Wild Nutrition. Uh, yeah, just Wild Nutrition Podcast.
1: Yeah, where can they find your, your podcast? Same places you'd find a lot of podcasts?
0: Yep, Spotify, Apple Amazon podcast, iHeartRadio, pretty much everywhere.
1: Good deal. How'd you get into the podcast side of things?
0: I have been listening to podcasts for years. So it was just like, I listen to podcasts all the time. Why don't I start my own? Um, And then I like the long form content. Like you can't talk about what we talked about tonight in like a 60 second reel or even a 90 second reel. Um, So it's just a better way to communicate and then get you know, offer a platform to other people like you offered your platform to me I do it with other people as well like hey come on you'll speak to my audience and maybe the message I've been sending people hasn't resonated and then all of a sudden another coach comes on that's how I found many people I follow in my life from other podcasts like okay so I want to offer this other opportunity to the world I'll bring other coaches in I'll bring other experts in we'll talk about stuff and hopefully that message can get out and help other people
1: absolutely love it Hey, uh, again, thank you. Uh, good luck with everything you got going on, and hopefully, uh, everything preparation leads to good fall for you this year. Thank you, Mitchell.